Welcome to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the PJ Brown to my Eddie House. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? It's going okay. It's going okay. I feel like the NBA season is finally getting its tires spinning a little bit, and so I feel a little bit more back than you normal i've been watching way more baseball than i usually do and i don't know uh, if i like it or not yeah i don't i don't i don't enjoy i don't enjoy how much baseball i'm watching right now and i don't enjoy that there are no west coast games right now i i've probably said before anytime we're recording a podcast i'm watching sports in the background i love to watch a game kind of with add <laughs> yeah because i have bad add i was trying to explain that to somebody at work recently and like, that doesn't make sense and i'm like i promise you this is exactly what I deal with all the time. I've got to have something to give 10% of my attention so that I can focus on the thing I'm supposed to be focusing on. Uh, and I hate when I have to watch a recorded game. Like I will watch live baseball that is not the Rangers exclusively when it's a Wednesday night before NBA season has started <laughs> and we're recording a podcast. And right now I'm having I'm I'm watching the Rangers game from earlier today because there's no all the playoff games were done by 9.30. That's, I don't like that. I know that I'm in the minority on this, but late-night sports are the best well, sports. Well, it doesn't so help let's... that all the West Coast teams are either really good or they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. not great for it. the West Coast market that basically yeah. you have the Dodgers, and that's Yeah, it, look, so. hey, I, there's very few times where I'll stick up for Adam Silver. You think the NBA wouldn't have a late-night game right now? That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. It would Phillies, be us too. Sorry, if, if, yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah. Brewers. Your game starts at nine o'clock. That's the way it works. That's um, very true. If this was in, <laughs> if this is Adam Silver's MLB, the Rangers would be playing their second inning right now. Yeah, yeah, because we're the most <laughs> we're the westmost team. <laughs> right, right. Doesn't matter that it's in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. Milwaukee's is uh, I think yeah. Milwaukee's the home team, right? Yeah, Milwaukee was the home team. It doesn't matter. Only like twelve people went to the Tampa game anyway, so they don't have to worry about their actual. God, and the broadcast so. would not let that no, go. It was I was fantastic. Man, <laughs> I would be a little salty if I was a Rays fan, but if I was a Rays fan, I I would not exist apparently because the, there are none. Um, okay, this is a total tangent, <laughs> but I feel like the fans get kind of a bad rap. In yeah, this situation, St. Petersburg they, is rough. They deserve too. some of it, but they they literally pointed out. I don't know if it was on a tweet or maybe on the broadcast too, but they pointed out that it's there's like four tiny bridges to get into yes. St. St. It's Petersburg. a miserable yes. yes I've never been there, but place. apparently yeah. getting so it's not in Tampa Bay proper. It's in right. St. Petersburg. So getting to that stadium on a two o'clock afternoon game is just right. atrociously awful, and so. It's yeah. it's apparently that's that's part of the reason, but also like it, it's kind of a shame that for years the Rays have been a pretty like fun, outstanding yeah, organization, sure. and the town doesn't even give a crap. So I know that's just kind of sucks. I know, yeah, it's a it's a miserable ballpark to get to um, in St. Pete's. Yeah, today, no, it was last night. It was last night. I was looking. I it was late. I pulled up. Um, I pulled up the Sports Center app just app to see who is pitching tomorrow, today, you know, and um, and you could get tickets for twenty five dollars. So, oh my just, lord, you know, I mean, because I don't know, was it half full today? I I don't know. Anyway, they had more today than they did in game one, okay. but that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough. It's a bad location. I'm not ever in favor of uh, teams relocating or very, very rarely am in favor of, of teams relocating. And I think that the 
public funding of ballparks and stadiums and arenas and whatnot is a really dicey thing at best, maybe. But, like, maybe they just don't need to be there. I don't know. And they're getting a new arena finally, but it's going to be in the parking lot where the current arena or stadium Mm -hmm. is. So, like... You know, this is not going to change. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better, except that the, the, the ballpark will be better, I guess, because that is an awful ballpark. Um, but we're, anyway, I don't know why I'm, we're, I don't know why we're talking about baseball. Um, Either. <laughs> this is, this is the September. This is what it's like in September for us. Um, it's a 95% chance, unless the Rangers make a run, that I will not watch a World Series game because basketball will be on. Um, meaningless, meaningless basketball games, <laughs> but, but right this little, so this, this is the little window where I watch, I end up watching a lot of baseball. So sorry to, sorry to Mason and Danny and, and the baseball boys. Um, let's, let's, uh, get into basketball. We're going to talk, um, we're going to talk a lot. We're, we're going to touch on James Harden. Um, um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make the joke that I thought about making right there. We're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to do a little discussion of James Harden. We're going to talk about a contract or two that's been there, and we're going to spend a bit of time go, going over the shenanigans of Media Day, um, which is always a fun time. But Tobin, first off, we got to start with another big trade. So we came back last week, a mm-hmm. uh, week earlier than we really intended, because Dame Lillard got traded. And we spent the entire episode talking about that, um, and we said. For Portland's side of things, this is almost an incomplete because you got. We assume that Drew Holiday is going to get flipped uh, pretty quickly, and uh, that will kind of put into um, perspective exactly what they pulled off for this for for trading Dame Lillard and how they made this work. And um, it's done, Tobin. So, can you uh, give us the the details of the Drew Holiday trade as he has been flipped to Boston? Yeah, so he was flipped to Boston for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Robert Williams, and then two firsts that will go to Portland. So the Celtics gave up a player that was grumpy and wanted to get out, <laughs> a player that is always hurt, and they probably wanted it out. But So I would say this is essentially two firsts for Drew Holiday. Um, but for Portland side of it, I think they have assets again. It's almost like they're kind of mm-hmm. doing that, you know, trade show, like we're trying to one-up our thing. <laughs> like, we're you know, we're going sure. – that like yeah. that Jim Halpert thing where he or the, the sorry yeah. the, the Dwight right. ro- 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 the magic the, beans yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I feel like that's what, what we're seeing here a little bit of like okay sure. I'll give you this um, I yeah that's the details let, let me I guess I'll ask you first like what were mm-hmm. your initial thoughts from the um, let's do the Portland side first what were your Portland thoughts going from that I think Portland did a great job with this. Um, They've got some distressed assets in in DeAndre Ayton, who we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the media media day stuff. Um, they've got a couple more veterans that they can flip. They have a young core now with Scoot and uh, Simons and Sharp. They still have to pay Jeremy Grant four billion dollars, unfortunately. But regardless, um, yeah, they've they've they held they held the line they waited they did a great job i think of of uh flipping dame lillard into real pieces so what they ended up with three three-ish first round picks and some swaps the picks they got from boston are next year's golden state pick and then a 2029 boston pick i love i love when you're rebuilding and you're doing like this kind of a trade where you're trading the superstar and you know you're going to suck for a few years I think it's always smart 
to try to get those picks as far out as possible, you know? Um, so I'm pretty sure the, I think the Milwaukee one they got is like 2030 maybe. And now they've got a Boston pick in 2029. Those are, those are smart plays. That's way more valuable than a 2025 Boston mm-hmm. pick, you know? Um, so I like that. I think that's, that's great stuff. And they did a really good job of, of getting, uh, of getting assets and, and not honestly, and not giving in. And there's been some, some back and forth between the Blazers associated media and the Dame associated media, you know, with, uh, they didn't, Dame's camp doesn't feel like they talked that, that, that Portland talked to them and Portland's camp feels like, yeah, he kind of sabotaged a lot of the options. It's just, it's, it's not even really all that ugly. It's just, it's kind of the deal that we have to deal that we have to live with at this point. Um, but both sides are supposed to do what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to do what's best. Joe Cronin is supposed to do what's best for Portland Trailblazers, not mm-hmm. Damian Lillard. So, yeah. um, I think he did that. I think he got a great, a great haul and return on this. And I imagine they're still going to flip Brogdon. I know the Clippers are interested again. There's some other teams. You can probably get a couple of seconds for, for Brogdon. I would think, um, yeah, I don't think there's any value really for him in Portland. So, I also See what think that there. that's one of those things too, where like he can play to start the year, and then he there's you could probably squeak something from contenders sure. at, at yeah, the for sure. line. So I mean, there's yeah. definitely options, and it just makes them more fluid. I think mm-hmm. right now because mm-hmm. they're also going to be in the market whenever um, whenever they can in January. Jeremy Grant's going to be out there as well, and they that's pretty much already been reported that he's going to be on the block the second cool. he's able to be traded. Good luck. Good luck. I mean, um, yeah, they're de- so like they're going to ha- they're going to take a loss on that one. So, yeah, I think you- they're stuck with him for a couple of seasons. I could be wrong, I could be totally wrong, but I mean, I, they, I think he could be that's traded, a but really awful contract. It's going to be one of those like yeah. we're going to give you Jeremy Grant and you're going to give us an awful contract and we're also going to give you a first round pick or something yeah, like that. Maybe, so, maybe. Uh, yeah. and, and if you look, look, if you can get off of the contract and like like this, this is by no means going to happen. But like, if the Mavs were to give them Tim Hardaway Jr. and then they gave us Jeremy Grant and a first round pick, like I could see yeah. that I could see that being beneficial for them. You know, I don't want to do that as a Mavs fan. But like, if if there's a way they can do that and kind of package it as a, hey, we're going to take a loss, but we won't be on this contract for five more years, that kind of thing. So yeah, I would never do that if I was the Portland. <laughs> You're not going to be a contender for the next couple of seasons anyway. It doesn't matter. That's so true. I would. I would just hold the line, say, "Hey, we screwed up. Um, keep playing him. I, he's he has been somebody in the past that was totally fine to get buckets on a crap team. So, um, yeah. you know, that's fine. I think they could flip Robert Williams too. I'm actually really interested to see how that plays out because you can't play him and Aiton at the same time. They're not bigs that I think work together. Maybe you can for a minute or two, but that's not that's not a very feasible lineup moving forward. And and I mean, look, when, when Williams is healthy, which is a major win, because um, it doesn't happen a whole lot, he is a he is a defensive force. And so, uh, and he's on a pretty decent contract. If you, if you can, there's definitely contenders out there who are t- telling themselves, look, if we can come in and we can get this guy for, for a handful of seconds or a, a heavily protected first or something like that, if we can just like, we're only going to play him 25 minutes a game, but that 25 minutes is going to be pretty awesome defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that they could end up flipping, flipping him still. So there's, there's still some pieces that they can, they can move on um, without impacting the end game for, for this thing, which is to, 
get Scoot Henderson as many touches as possible and get in some experience and sharp as well and, and be building towards a team that is something in 2027, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. that's, that's the, that's the deal. So I think they did a great job. Now, I'll, let me talk about the Boston side a little bit. Sure. Um, I hate, gosh, I hate <laughs> giving them props. You know that, but mm-hmm. they, they got rid of a player who's been really gr- disgruntled this off season that it was no secret that they were trying to get rid of him. Um, they got off of a player that is always hurt, like we just talked about. And they're getting back a, a defensive stud that they kind of need, not kind of, they really need, um, on their roster that kind of frees up Jason and Jalen to not be the defensive stoppers for all these critical moments. Mm-hmm. Um I, so, so now you have a defensive guy, uh, you know, in the in the front court. I'm sorry, in the back court, and a def- theoretically defensive guy in the in the front court um, to go with Jalen and Jason. Like on paper, I think this makes them very good, and it makes them mm-hmm. very, um, it makes them built to beat who they need to beat in the East. I think um, it's very risky because. When Brogdon and Williams are hurt, you can kind of hide that. I think mm-hmm. in this case, you're you're going to be you're putting a lot of chips on the health of Drew Holiday that has not always been great. He's been better as of late, and Kristaps Porzingis, who I I don't know if he's ever had it like like I don't know since I mean I can't, last year was his probably most healthiest season he's had in a long time, mm-hmm. and he still missed twenty something games I think so. That's I, I think I texted you when it happened. I said that's a whole lot of injury question marks on one team, mm. which is scary. But it definitely makes them formidable for sure. Yeah, I, I look. I think this is a home run trade. I I am with you. I do not enjoy uh, the Boston quote media in quote experience. Um, it's, it's one of the more aggressively obnoxious groups of people within sports media, you know, now look, should I stop listening to Bill Simmons? Yeah, I should, but, uh, (laughs) that's not all of it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Boston media bias isn't even the right, just obnoxiousness. It's just a really obnoxious group of people. And with the exception of our friend Brad, I do not enjoy the Boston fan too much just in general. Um, so I, you know, I don't like, I don't like when they're, when they're doing well, if I'm being, if I'm being completely honest, this was a great trade. Uh, they have cycled out. So I remember when, when they were struggling against the heat last year, I was talking to Brad, our friend, and uh, he was talking about, you know, we basically we're, we were discussing, is this the time to make the move of breaking up Tatum Brown or, you know, what else do you do? And, and my thought was, and that's kind of, this is what's happened. My thought was, I don't know if the Tatum Brown thing works, especially given what we saw with Brown last season. I mean, it was really weird. And then you have to pay Brown so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of a wheels off person all, all year too. I don't think that helped the dynamic at all. Um, but I just think before you do that, your, your, your move probably is to move around the other pieces and see if you can make something else happen. And that's exactly what they've done. Marcus smarts out. 
Robert Williams out, uh, Malcolm Brogdon out, and you know now Porzingis and 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 Drew Holiday. I mean, Drew Holiday is just straight up better than Marcus Smart. Sorry to to Brad. Um, Holiday occupies this very weird space to me, Tobin, and some of this may just be how. <laughs> how NBA online I am um, with podcasts and whatnot. But like there are a lot of people that you, it feels like they think that Drew Holiday is a top 10 player in the league. And that is kind of ridiculous and obnoxious and like overstating a very good basketball player. But then there are a lot of other people who act like Drew Holiday is like the 70th best player in the league. And that also is stupid and ridiculous. And it's like he, there's not a whole lot. There's plenty of players who, who are kind of overrated and plenty of players who are a little bit underrated. It's weird to have somebody who splits people so, so mm-hmm. aggressively like that. Um, because when you see him and he's defending uh, Dame Lillard, Um, and it's just, he is just destroying him or you see him in the Boston series, not last year, but the year before, um, which the Bucks ended up losing, but, but it certainly wasn't, you know, holiday's fault. He was incredible in that. in many of those games, you see him in those moments, you're like, geez, and crackers, this guy, this is like Scottie Pippen as a guard. I mean, this is incredible. And then you see him get just ethered by Jimmy Butler last year. Um, or you see like some of these, just these games where he, it, it, he shoots like three for, it feels like three for 40, you know, and just misses all these shots that you're like, man, you gotta hit that. Um, he's kind of an inconsistent player. He has massive flaws and gaps in his game, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he's probably the best perimeter defender in, in basketball, assuming that Kawhi Leonard doesn't really exist anymore. You know, um, he's, he is so he's going to be perfect with this team. He's going to be perfect. It's going to, it's going to match really well. They, they, to me at this point, they have the top six, they have, they have the best six man rotation in basketball. Um, and, and that, you know, that, that trumps what Milwaukee has. Milwaukee has maybe a more, has a more explosive offense. There's all kinds of things that are going to go into Milwaukee versus Boston. And then, whoever else kind of get ends up in the conversation in the East. Right. But like, mm-hmm. this is a, I like their, I have the same questions about their depth that I did about Milwaukee, but I like their six man rotation as far as the positional strengths, um, better than I do Milwaukee's. I think that they, uh, they have a complete rotation, you know, um, or a, or a complete, a complete starting lineup, I should say. Whereas, I feel like Milwaukee is missing a wing and that's going to be really difficult for them to figure that out this point in the season or I mean yeah. this point in the off season you know I think that Yeah he, this is a home run trade to me. I think that he what we we kind of danced around but didn't really fully talk about is I think he kind of gives them the the Marcus Smart that they needed the last couple of years which is like high yeah, perimeter especially defense especially in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah high perimeter yeah. defense we don't need the guy that's going to be all ball handle and chuck the ball. Um, and, and honestly, Holiday has has had moments where he's been incredibly clutch with his shot too. So that mm-hmm. can come, but you don't you don't need that from Marcus Smart. You need him to come lock down the the other guys, and that's and that's what Drew's main thing is. And so, 
it's if like I know Marcus Smart was beloved there, but like this is probably mm-hmm. going to end up being the the fit that they needed more than they needed. Yeah, you know Marcus yeah. Smart for sure. The, yeah, for sure. I there are three things that that give me slight pause, or or I guess I should say here here's the three ways that where this doesn't work. Okay, um, number one injuries. You mentioned it. Uh, Porzingis is always injured. Last season he wasn't. That's great. He got his contract, and then he was immediately injured this summer. Now, I know he's saying, like, oh, I switched shoes. It messed up my feet. gave me plantar fasciitis. Okay, it's fine. But there's always there's always something with Porzingis with his health. You're just – I don't know if Boston fans understand. You are going to spend the next season every single time that that guy falls down or moves wrong or, like, gets bumped in the paint or something like that. You're going to be like, oh, crap, there it is. You just Or you get a random tweet, like, 2 in the afternoon <laughs> right, that says, right. Porzingis is out today, and next thing you know, he's out 10 games. You know, yes. like that's, that's yes. the thing it's, that always killed me. <laughs> it's just, it's hard. And, and but but Drew Holiday's not a, a super healthy guy either. You know, he hasn't, Holiday hasn't played 80 games in a season since 20, 2017, 18. Okay, so that's five seasons um, where he's under 80 games, under 70 games. He's He played 67 last year, 67 the year before, and then, you know, those COVID years are weird. It's Anyway, but 61, 59, 67, it's, he's had a lot of injuries in, in his career, and he, he is somebody that picks up knocks along the way. So, they, yeah, so the injuries can cause them some problems. Um, the number two thing is, he is a he is somebody I don't I don't think of Drew Holiday as a knockdown shooter. His percentages would tell you that he I mean he shot he shot thirty eight percent from three last year, forty one percent the year before, thirty nine percent, thirty five percent. I mean, the percentages tell you that he is maybe he's not you know JJ Redick, but he is a very very good three point shooter. Marcus Smart was not. I still don't think of him as a a full on lockdown shooter, and what he definitely is not is somebody who's going to consistently break down defenses in the last five or six minutes of the game. And as such, Boston's number one problem for the how, the last however many years under now three different coaches has been that the offense, like to say stagnates, is not even fair to the word stagnate. You know, it's a disaster down the stretches of a lot of games. And the decisions that get made by Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown are often are often horrific. Um, I don't know that Holiday helps in those in that regard. Other than he is a better shooter than Marcus Smart is. So if you flip the ball to him, you may get better results out of out of that play. But he also is somebody who has been known to make really weird wheels off decisions down the stretch of games. And so I don't know that he will help on that front all that much. And then the last thing is just the ego side of it. I. I think that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like each other. There still is some weird vibes there. And I don't know that that is going to change. It did not seem, and I know this is some shell shock stuff. This is part of the way that it goes. And maybe you want to bring up the quotes from, from um, Lauren holiday, uh, drew holiday's wife, but the players, the Boston players also seemed a little bit like, huh, that's a, well, okay. So we've traded Mark smart. We've traded Rob Wood. We've, We've gotten rid of these guys that we really like, and I think they. It's not that they're like, man, we we got to play with Drew Holiday. Ugh, that sucks. It's just there's some weird vibes, and even Derek White seemed to have some kind of like, huh? Well, I really thought I was going to be the starting point guard, and now I'm not. So, 
there could be some ego things there and and that potentially is the you know there's three ways where this could go wrong um but the the reality is if they stay healthy i mean i i think this is a this has this team has a real good chance of of uh of raising a trophy at the end of it yeah i agree what does this do for for you from um just this maybe be our final thing with uh with this conversation, but does this change how you feel about Milwaukee's trade of bringing in Lillard now that again, what I would, I mean, I think a lot of people would say is probably the best perimeter defender in basketball now has made his way to your rival and they didn't really give up major pieces of what they were going to be working with um, to get him. Does that change how you feel about the, the Bucks trade or anything? Um, it does not change that I, I, how I feel about how you kind of had to make that move, but it definitely makes it a lot harder to stomach, you know, cause like I'm, I'm envisioning an Eastern conference finals where, you know, Giannis and Dame are going up against the, the Celtics, you know, pretty, pretty stacked front, you know, starting lineup and, a 34-year-old dame getting locked up by Drew Holiday, I mean, that's that narrative just writes itself. It's going to be, I mean, that, that'll be something that will not only, I think, be something that is always talked about and brought up in the media and all kinds of stuff, but it's, it's going to be a thing because that's, I mean, that's precisely why Boston's bringing him in is to go get, is to go guard guys like, uh, like Damian Lillard or, uh, you know, any, like any other guard heavy team that's why they bring mm-hmm. him in and so i mean we all know like we I mean, our own team is like this it, it, the point guard offense makes or breaks a game a lot of times mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's i mean we live by that and so it's not just that he's a dame stopper he's a luca stopper he's gonna be you know he's gonna he's gonna be the guy that's fronting that and i just don't think they've had that since i mean i mean i guess you could say they had that with marcus smart in the you know, defensive player of the year, year maybe, but I mean, like you've been on mm-hmm. record saying that you also think that was kind of a little false award as well. But um, it's just, it's hard to, if you're, if you're the, the Bucks, it's hard to send that guy out to the Western Conference in a mm-hmm. trade that everybody th- understands why you make it and then have that guy turn around and be on your, probably your biggest competitor in regards to winning the Eastern Conference. Yeah, totally. I I um I think that the fact that we didn't really hear anything there wasn't really any uh there wasn't there wasn't really any total real noise regarding Milwaukee making the move for Dame and it was just like here it is, you know. And I think some of that is so, I think maybe a piece of that is usually when a big trade happens, um, you're trying to find, both teams are trying to get, are, are trying to squeeze out every last thing that they can from the trade, right? Like it's, it's both teams are, 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 you know, what about this? Would you put this in? Oh no. Okay. Well, what about this? Ah, no, we don't, we'd have to have this in exchange. You know, you're, you're doing all these things. And I wonder if this trade coming out of kind of out of nowhere was, is indicative of 
we're just going to pull the trigger on this rather than, and again, I don't blame, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Milwaukee screwed this up or anything like that by, by any means. I just, I wonder if instead of let's just do this, let's get this done. If you spend some extra energy trying to make sure that Drew Hall, you try to send Drew Holiday to Utah, you know, or something like that rather than, um, send him to Portland and just let Portland flip him. However, they're going to flip him. I, I, I wonder if there's some, some sleepless nights right now in the Milwaukee front office of thinking, man, I wish we would have, I wish we would have figured out where to shovel, where, where to, um, where to send that guy in the original trade rather than let him end up, um, on our biggest rival. But yeah, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't necessarily change my, my, you know, my grade you still do my it. It's just, it's you still just, do the trade. It's, it's just going to, mm. it, it's a lot more, there's a lot more ways this could be a bad narrative for you though. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Barring injuries. Is, is there any other, do you see any other team in the East that is going to creep their way into this top two or, or is contending for this, this, the two seed or something with two weeks left in the season? Or do you feel like, um, this is kind of wrapped up. I think that the Cavaliers are going to be, I think they're going to be ripping apart at the seams. I think there's too much stuff going around Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. The Nets don't stand a chance. The Sixers are the only team I think that on paper can challenge this, but I think that they are also ripping apart at the seams. So no, I mean, it, this kind of feels like a two horse race. Mm-hmm. Um, unless the Knicks make a huge right. jump slash trade, which is definitely yeah. possible. Um, I just, I don't, I don't see, I think, I think that the Bucks are one, this season is personal for whatever reason it is. Like, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. they have something to prove and the Celtics have done all they can do to retool to show that we're going to win a title with Jalen and Jason. And so, yeah. And they've done a good job, so it's it's just a matter of putting it on the court now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think the drop this, off though, it, it's you know when we were in prime dark time, the West was comically better than the Eastern Conference. I think we're kind of going back to that a little bit. I think that's definitely happening again. I feel like it shifted a little bit where it was kind of getting more even. And I think lately the, the top two in the East are probably the best two teams, like getting close to the best two teams in the league. And I think the West is way more deep than the yeah. Eastern Conference. No, the, the, the bloodbath in the West is, is going to be on again, just like it was last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the over under numbers, a little tease for next week. That's our plan. Next week is to, uh, is to go over our probable awful over unders that we did last year. And then, and then do that, you know, do the same thing again, pick over-unders um, for this coming season. But, yeah, I, off the top of my head, I would imagine there are uh, 13 teams probably <laughs> competing for for 10 spots, eight real spots and, and two fake spots So um, in the West. And, then, yeah, I don't know that the East is going to be that way. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like I think – it feels a little bit like like an arms race, which is cool. I like that, especially if it's going to happen away from the Mavs. Um, but right now, it's 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 very hard for me to imagine the Heat or the Knicks or the Cavs or the Raptors or the Sixers or whoever 
being legitimately up there with with these two teams. They've they've kind of again injuries happen and whatever, but like it, yeah, it feels like feels like we've got a we've got a two team race. We do have one more team though that that can make a move and and contribute to this arms race, um, and that's that's the Philadelphia 76ers. Boy, they just never do things like normal, you know. It's it's it is a it is a clown show all the time with the Sixers, um, and it has been for for so so long at this point. Um, they always find a way to just refuse to have a normal season or a normal off season. We had all the James Harden stuff when he's in China and is just destroying Daryl Morey and. Um, and demanding the trade. Well, then he didn't show up to media day. Uh, they, they sort of said, well, we didn't want him to be a distraction. Well, guess what? It is a distraction when every single player has to answer the question of where James Harden is. It's a distraction. Um, he's back with the team now, Tobin. For some reason, they're doing training camp in Fort Collins, Colorado. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but okay. That's uh, the most Nick Nurse thing ever. Like we're gonna so go on, weird. we're gonna go on team hikes and smoke weed together, and just, <laughs> we're gonna become. There's one. no testing anymore, so yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's a weird choice. Uh, he did show up today. I, I have not seen any reports on how he looked. I I could guess. Actually, probably. I, I looked. He actually looks pretty in shape. It was funny because like the first picture I saw was actually fast break breakfast tweeting out a picture of him. <laughs> And uh, they photoshopped his shirt to say Daryl Morey is a liar. And my first thought was, <laughs> no, he didn't. That's and I, real, yeah. <laughs> and I actually believed it could be real. Yes. That's how insane well, the situation right. is. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, uh, man. What a... I mean, the hard thing about this is that we've literally seen this happen with this exact player Yes, four hours yes. south of us in... Like, it did not go well last time. They played about, what was it, 10 games? And they were like, oh, yeah. Hey, actually, we should trade him because he does not give a crap. And it's and he's been way more open about it last time. this time. Uh, last time, he was, like, yeah. kind of behind the scenes. And then it was just very right, obvious right. that he was phoning it in. This time, he's, like, basically saying, I'm going to make your life hell. And they just like, yeah, okay. And honestly, we were talking about Drew. Like, I, I was reading from a couple people that, they were play. They were players in that, and honestly, I think Drew would have been a f- perfect fit there with Maxi. Yeah. And I think if they would have gotten Drew, they that changes things, you know, as well for them. But I, you know, it's just instead. I, obviously, we don't know what happens behind closed doors, but it just it feels like mm-hmm. they're just kind of hoping that it all like pans out. But hey, you have a player who does not care. First of all who has notoriously done this multiple times. And you have another player that is basically like, I would say a season away from requesting a trade, if yeah. not less. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's all and to be in, to be blunt, he's also kind of moody. So, Hey, <laughs> yeah. we should probably yeah. figure this out. And you guys are so close to being like actual contenders <laughs> on paper last year, which <laughs> like we, we both said, we're not doing that anymore, but you know, oh. it just it just all like I feel like this this has the writing on the wall that this time next year we're talking about how many games can they lose? Like they're going to be like the Charlotte Hornets of the year that I picked very poorly on their over under. <laughs> like <laughs> we are not very far from that happening. I don't think. I just oh, I, I just 
I can't. I mean, one of the most miserable, good athletes, good basketball players. I just, I can't even. I cannot fathom having. But he's just not that. He's not worth it anymore. He's not that good anymore. Well, look, that's part of the problem. That's part of why he's still on the team is they can't find a trade for him. It's. It certainly doesn't help that he he is he's made it clear that he only wants to go to the Clippers. Um, you know, the difference between him and Dame is that Dame still had, what, four years left on his contract? Mm-hmm. Harden can, if he really wants, he can show up, he can put in, what's a half effort for James Harden? Because it's not like it's 100% in normal time. So he can put in, uh, I don't know, 32%. Um for the season, you know, I mean, get fat, come, spend his entire time in his injury. the establishments that he wants to spend them in, and then sign with the Clippers in the off season for six million dollars. You know, yeah, he can do that. Um, it, it's just, but but the Clippers clearly they're not really putting anything on the table, and you can't blame them for not being real interested in a guy who is like not just sabotage, but like actively firebombed every place that he's ever been. And so, yeah, maybe I don't want to deal with that if I'm Steve Ballmer and Lawrence Frank and Ty Lue. Even if you do want to deal with that, just like you have 100% of the leverage right now. Yes. Like we're not going to give you anything for him because we don't have to. Right. Like, and also we already have Russell Westbrook. Do we really need this guy? (laughs) Like, Gosh, I forgot. I forgot about West, Russell Westbrook still being in uh, in LA. That's you know, honest. Man. That's another thing that I'm. If I'm the Clippers front office, I'm looking at that. Of we've seen this already. Like this doesn't work well. Like what are we doing? Like and I I don't like I I would be interested to see if they actually are interested in him or if they're just kind of like being floated by James yeah. Harden. Because well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You if they're only. I would imagine that there are, when I say no one's interested, I would imagine there are several teams who are like, if you're the Clippers, we will give you the contracts of Marcus Morris and Robert Covington to get James Harden, and we'll we'll deal with it from there. But we're not giving you picks, and we're not giving you Terrence Mann, and we're not – if it has value, we're not giving it up. And I, I got to imagine there's there's other teams that are saying the same thing. of Like, sure, we'll take him. But we're not going to give you anything for him because why would we? Look at this. Look at this disaster everywhere he goes. So anyway, um, I personally, I hope he, he he is on the opening day roster for the the Sixers and that we get another. <laughs> why, those eight games in Houston uh, were so much fun to watch as somebody who loathes James Harden and also the Houston Rockets. So. I would be, I would be totally fine watching him half-ass his way through another few games for the Sixers that where he clearly does not want to be. So, what a, what a nightmare. Um, before we get into full on the the media day stuff, Tobin, Devin Vassell got a five year, hundred and forty five million dollar contract from the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two things on this. Number one, I really I thought that I was the biggest Devin Vassell fan both were on the planet. On yeah, <laughs> and the, and I saw that number and my eyes like jumped out of my head and 
my brain exploded and it was, I was like, really? Like that is a lot of money. And then I had to do the, the, the bit where you're like, right, 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 right. Every contract for the next few years is going to be this way. Or Every- it turns out Brian Wright maybe is the biggest Devin Vassell fan because <laughs> that's so <laughs> much money. Man. That's so much money. Like, I, uh, yeah, man. But you're right. I really like. I really like that guy, and I think that he can be very good or is very good. Health is a little bit. He was very good last year, he, and that was playing for a bad team um, with a lot of of uh, not. Of parts that didn't really fit together, um, but <laughs> he will be making, you know, six or eight million dollars more than Mikhail Bridges, you know, over each of these seasons, and that just seems, that just seems insane to me. I don't know. I but again, it's I, I don't. It's nothing against the Spurs. No, it's certainly nothing against Devin. Get that money, dude. But like. This is the thing that we're all going to have to adjust to. The contracts yeah. that we're going to see over the next few years are going to be mind-boggling every single time. That's $30 million a year for, what do you get, 18 points a game last year on a, the worst team in basketball, basically, or close enough to it. I mean, oof, it's, it's a lot. He played 38 games last year, too. So I'm sure some of that was, let's shut him down. Who doesn't matter? We're not trying to win games, but gosh. Imagine playing 38 games, averaging 18 points on the team that ends up getting the first pick in the draft, and then you get $150 million. Woof. So much money, dude. So I mean, much money. Good for him. But yeah. yeah, good. I'm not, again, not, not salty about it with, at, at all. Like, he's a very good basketball player, and I like him quite a bit. I just, for maybe more than anything else, it's a reminder of this is what it's going to be like, and we need to, we all need to adjust. Uh, myself included, maybe, maybe at the forefront of that. Um, Let's do some media media day stuff. Um, there's so much, man. <laughs> Lots. Every there's year. so much. I gave you a little list there. Pick and choose. What's what? What strikes your fancy? What do you want to talk about first? Uh, I feel like we have to start with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> and as a former teacher who did bits for yearbook oh, photos. Oh. True. Yes. I kind of, I kind of like last year. I was like, "What is he doing?" And this year, when I first saw it, I was like, "Okay, this is annoying." But then I started thinking about it. I was like, "This is just him doing a dumb yearbook photo." That, and it's funny because, if okay, so if you're listening and you don't know what this does, basically what the, every team does is they have media days and they send these videos and pictures and all these things to all the various sports networks, so that way when they need B-roll footage of players or Headshots of players, this is what they get. So he, so for the second year in a row, his NBA media footage is going to look ridiculous because last year he had like these like comically long dreads that came out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then this year he showed up looking like he fell out of a, you know, night 2000. Looking like Ezra Herrera. Yeah, yeah. my gosh. It was. Like, I, but the best part was that he's just, you know, he's posting about how he's emo Jimmy Butler and stuff, and just, yeah, it's just great. Like, I mean, like, I kind of like, I, I went from being annoyed about it, and then like five minutes later, I was like, you know what, this is actually kind of a great bit. Like, if it was any other player, I think I'd be a little, I would have automatically been like, yes, this is awesome. But I think we kind of forget that Jimmy Butler is fun because he's such a jerk in a lot of other areas, you know. Like, but he's I actually know. kind of a I fun know. guy. Yeah. Um, you know, between like the bubble stuff and the coffee, you know, company right, and whatnot. Right. Um, 
<laughs> it's it's the same thing. It's like a teacher that does bits for yearbook photos every year, and that's yeah. and that, and those are always really funny. So you do you, Jimmy. It was great. My favorite video though was Bam Adebayo just losing it. Can't even keep his keep his yeah. self straight yeah. for like a serious <laughs> like you know tr- starters photo. He's just dying yeah. laughing, and that was my favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, Butler really it, it really is a roller coaster for me with him cuz like 2 days prior he was on Instagram live being a wiener about the Bucks, you know, tampering to get Dame Lillard and I was just like, "Come on, man." And uh and then he comes out and I'm like, "I'm back. I'm back in. I'm back in." Um I love the t-shirt that Breaking T put up that had <laughs> that said Ball out boy, Hemi eat world, <laughs> death cap for coffee, some 22 and backboard confessional. Uh, those were, those were all great. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed emo Jimmy Butler quite a bit. That was a fun, that was a fun time. Um, Jokic says he's only touched a basketball a couple of times this summer. So that was the most Jokic thing ever that he could say. Can't say that if you hadn't just won the title and if you aren't the best the best player in in the world right now. Uh but but you can if you've won a title and you're the best player in the world right now. So I love that. I thought it was you can, it was very funny. I'm angry if literally anyone else says that. The I'm second very angry that he that, but. comes out sluggish this season, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's all people are going to talk about. Like if this were Luca Saying this, oh it, even gosh. if we won a title, if Luca came right. out and said this, I would immediately be nervous about it. Like, not because yeah. he forgot how to play basketball. Like, that's not that. It's just more of, I don't want to hear about this for the next that's true. however many times that he doesn't do well. And so it's kind of like the same thing as, like, when we get the, when we get the well, he is a little overweight, and maybe he'll work right. out this summer. Right. It's that same crap. But, I mean, yeah. Jokic clearly does not give a crap about anybody's opinion. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I I think the other funny thing that happened was the Hornets. Uh, <laughs> they're partnering with Mr. Beast uh, for their jersey sponsor, and I can't. I don't have it in front of me. I don't remember what it is. It's 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 specifically one of his brands, I think, um, which is just the most twenty twenty three. Like I'm an old man and I don't understand it thing. So. <laughs> It's really smart business. It's very oh, smart very business. Very smart business. Yeah. And also, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. It could be worse. Mr. Beast at least kind of does decent human being things, you know. Like, I, yeah, but he does it for the for the memes, and I just that's not you're not really helping. Oh, I just can't. Oh my god. It yeah. I it just I'm just saying it. Could All be of way those worse. accounts <laughs> make me crazy. It's just gosh. If you want. Mm. I hate it. I hate it if so you, much. If you had, it's to, very if, if I were to come to you and say, "Hey, an NBA team is going to partner with Mr. Beast," <laughs> I feel like in three guesses, <laughs> yeah, the Hornets are coming out yeah. of your mouth. And if it's hundred percent, and it's yeah. probably the first guess, if we're being honest, <laughs> like this, this just screams yeah. like Lamelo Ball and uh-huh. Mitch yeah. Kupchak and Hornets. Like it's just, I, I, yeah, but not Kai Jones, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I don't think anybody does. Uh Anthony Davis says that his goal is to play all eighty two games. So for the first congrats time on Anthony career. Davis on, on completing the yeah. bare minimum. Con- congrats <laughs> for the first time in your career realizing you should probably play eighty two games or at least eighty. Oh my gosh. I love this league and I love basketball so much and there are so many things where I'm like, well that's 
Cool, man. You're getting paid a whole lot of money to pay to play 82 games. Congratulations um, on having that as your as your goal. Um, what else? Anything else that jumps out? I got a couple um, more, but I don't know if there's one you want to hit. Uh, <laughs> I okay. Well, can, let's just <laughs> let's just combine these three because we should have combined them with with <laughs> Anthony Davis too. I. Yeah. I'm tired of DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> Him come, you mean dominating? I mean, listen, <laughs> I will be the first to come and shake his hand and congratulate oh, him. And gosh, the delusion. Give him props. That if he comes out and oh. he actually gives a crap this year, like <laughs> I will come, I will be the first to come in and say, hey, man, good for you. Phoenix must really suck. You know, like I'll, like playing with Chris Paul must really suck. Dev- yeah, okay, right, fine. Right. Okay, yeah, we see what the common, common denominator was. It was Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Okay, cool. So I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, like yeah. the, my favorite part about that was him saying, my name is Dom- Dominating, and then every person <laughs> posting that one video of him just watching. <laughs> just watching. Jokic get all He's the layups in, the, in office of rebounds. And so oh. that is annoying. Ben Simmons saying I'm back is annoying. Um, I think he was actually saying, ouch, my back. So yeah, I actually wasn't. said he was saying I'm in back pain. I had to double check to make yeah, sure. That I, he I thought maybe said, he said I'm, I'm in back pain and the other words were just widened out or whatever. And then Zion yeah. Williamson just. <laughs> no smiles this year, Tobin. Just, dude, no smiles. Hey, how about. Why don't you have the goal of playing 82 games, too? Maybe you and Anthony Davis can, like... Or 52. Yeah, Maybe or that. 22. Uh, How about that? Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Oh, man. These these media four Day. players, I'm, like, you're very quick to put people on your Dunzo list, so you know it's bad if I'm, like, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I... Ben Simmons, I don't even care, dude. Ben Simmons isn't going to play more yeah. than 10 games this year. Give me a break. Like... But you saw the videos, right? I, like he's, I, no, he's I working out, didn't. man. I think I actually Hooper blocked Twitter, his name baby. on my God, Twitter because I got tired of seeing crap. Like I think I actually wrote in Ben Simmons, so I don't see anything about him or about Bill Simmons' stupid son. So, um, oh yeah, I just, I, I really, I feel like Zion. This is the last thing I say about this. I feel like Zion is destined for a blow up this year, like a like a emotional. Roller coaster, not a good stats blow up. I think he is destined for a problem this year. I feel like something bad is going to happen. Yeah, and he's going to something is going to go down, and he's either going to get traded or he's just going right. to be a miserable person this year. And, and listen, it's not. I won't say it's his fault. I just I feel like we are at a we are at an impasse. Like if because if things don't go well with him quickly, the town is going to. They're already kind of turning on him, but they're absolutely yeah. going to turn on him if they don't go well quickly. I think they're a sneaky... Uh, well, maybe I'll save that for... I'm not sold. Let me put it that way. I just think they... I think they have some stuff that that would be concerning to me. A little bit concerning to me. But yeah, I mean, look, I get it. You got to say these things in, in some regard. You don't have to say some of this stuff. You don't have to say my name is dominating when you are... I think he's just a Even at your door. best... You are the least dominating talented center maybe I've ever seen. Like genuinely, like somebody who does not like so much doesn't want contact. It's like kind of embarrassing. Um, the stuff with Zion and then what the Pelicans said, Willie Green and, and and David Griffin. Like 
you kind of got to say these things. It was a whole lot of like, yeah, he's really taking his body seriously and he's matured and all this kind of stuff. And like, right. I get it. You have to say that stuff to some, to some level, but like, it's so much. Show me, don't tell me, you know, with that guy. Um, and with a lot of others. Yeah. We'll see. Last one I'll say is I, one of my, one of my favorite things about media day every year are the guys who, who <laughs> find out via the media that they are not starting, even though they absolutely are not starting. Um, I love that. It's like a tradition every year. There's somebody who's like, wait, who said I'm not starting? And then like tries to play it off. Like, oh yeah, I'll do whatever the team needs me to do. And it's like, for some of them, you can tell they're like, yeah, you know, you you can tell they've thought about it. And some of them, it's like genuine delusion. They've never, they've not considered one time in the off season that someone else is going to be the starter over them. And it's just like dawning on them in that moment. Um, so this year's candidates were Chris Paul, um, who did the whole, oh, you know, I'll do whatever needs to be done to help the team win. Derek White, who at least for him, he definitely thought he was the starting and it point also guard. Came out quickly too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And look, he might still start. I, I mean, he, he, the, 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 the Celtics are going to kind of, and it, it may be game by game. You're going to kind of decide whether you're going to play small with White, Holiday in the backcourt, Brown, Tatum, and Porzingis, or if you're going to play big with Horford, Porzingis in the front court, and White comes off the bench, and that may change game to game. I don't know. I mean, um, but he definitely was like. You could tell he thought he was about because he he's eligible for an extension after this this year I believe too maybe anyway you could tell he thought he was about to get starting NBA player money and that may not be the case anymore and uh, so at least he had a little bit of an excuse uh, our own Tim Hardaway Jr. was my favorite though uh, I'm not sure that Tim Hardaway Jr. is the eighth man this year we'll see. Um, I don't think that he's the starter. He may be a nominal starter for, you know, a couple of games, but they have got to get somebody who plays defense into the lineup, you know? So it's probably Josh Green, I would I would assume. Um, and there are other candidates potentially who would be in over Tim Hardaway Jr. And Tim, Tim found this out, I guess, when he got up to the podium and one of the reporters reported back to Tim what Jason Kidd had said, where Kidd talked about how he was going to try to help Tim Hardaway Jr. win sixth man of the year this year. And THJ was like, oh, I'm coming off the bench. Oh, okay. Like, (laughs) it was was pretty funny and awkward. And I genuinely believe that Tim Hardaway Jr. has not thought one time about coming off the bench this year. So uh, I... That was a fun time. I, I, I look forward to that every year. Okay, during, hey, you know what, Timmy? You go out there and you show them that they made a mistake. You show them, Tim. That's right. That's right. Oh, I still believe goodness. in you, kind of. <laughs> I don't, but I want to. I want to believe. I'm, I'm uh, Mulder I'm gonna, or Scully. I, I, listen, I, I know it's irrational. Mean. I'm going to be sad when he's not a Mav anymore. I really do like him. I liked him. I do, too. I just don't trust him. That's sure. all. You, know? you don't trust anybody. Like him, though. don't trust him. You yeah, have trust issues, so I, I trust you, buddy. Yeah, I know. Um, that's about it. And I can't play basketball, so <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Too old. That's true. Well, you know, some of us are, uh, you know, some of us are are built different. Some of us got that dog in us still. So, um, but not you, friend. Okay, 
Let's get out of here. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. If you like what you heard, tell a friend. Bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. Helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. And uh, give us a five-star rating or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. R.I.P. Stipper. Stipper? Stitcher. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. And we'd like to read those out at the end of the show. We'll be back next week with... Either a super long episode or a two-part episode with our good friend Richard Barden doing over-unders for the entire NBA. And until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers.